Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of WeRSE.com's Inside the Trojans Huddle, where we tell it like it is. Friends, Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game mic panel discussion that is posted each Tuesday during the season. Huddle features WeRSC columnists, staff writers, and historians. We start off with the pregame show where we introduce our panel members for this edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle. So let's meet those panelists. A WeRSC columnist who writes WeRSC.com's The Monday Morass, yay or nay, and Sunday Takeaways, in addition to regular season football and basketball reports. He also hosts his own podcast show entitled Locked On USC. That's Mark Culkin, the editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com, columnist, national recruiting guru, producer and moderator of WeRSC's Friday's Four Downs video show and Five Things video show as well, which is posted on YouTube and WeRSC.com after each and every USC football game home and away, as well as the bowl game coming up. He's a graduate of USC. That's Eric McKinney, a former William Jewell College defensive back and WeRSC columnist who writes the popular WeRSC.com column Musings with Arledge and the well-received Musings with Arledge solo video edition. He's a graduate of the USC Law School. That's Chris Arledge. And a weekly WeRSC columnist who writes Fridays, the obvious, not so obvious, from the press box, IMHO Sunday, the WeRSC.com travel guide and an active member of the Football Writers Association of America, your moderator and producer of Inside the Trojan Subtle. That's me, Greg Katz. Folks, if you enjoy WeRSC.com's Inside the Trojan Subtle, we thank you and strongly encourage those of you watching on sites like YouTube to click on the like and red subscriber buttons. It's greatly valued, appreciated, and it is free. You can also listen to Inside the Trojan Subtle on most available podcast sites. And friends, speaking of WeRSE.com, we're offering first-time subscribers unlimited premium access for just $1 for one month. If you're not already a full-time subscriber, you don't want to miss out on the football website that really does tell it like it is. All right, we're ready to kick it off, and boy, we got quite a show for all of you out there. So let's get into it. Panel, after much discussion, Lincoln Riley finally named his new defensive coordinator to guide the Trojans and 2024, a season that will be incredibly challenging both in non-conference games and in the Trojans' initial season into the Big Ten Conference. It should be a tough one. So after all the speculation, intrigue, and rumors, it was officially announced that Danton Lynn, the former defensive coordinator at UCLA, has been named the Trojans' new D.C. A quick background, uh, Danton Lynn, 34 years old, was born in Plano, Texas, Played his prep football at Salina High in Salina, Texas. Played his college ball at Penn State as a corner. Was a three-year All-Big Ten honorable mention selection. And he had a very brief career with the New York Jets and then the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. After his playing career concluded, Lynn got into coaching where he spent coaching time with the New York Jets, Buffalo Bills, Los Angeles Chargers, Houston Texans, and the Baltimore Ravens under John Harbach before accepting the UCLA Bruins defensive coordinator position for the 2023 season. And if the name sounds somewhat familiar to you, Danton Lynn is the son of former Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, who is currently assistant and head coach, assistant head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. So with that foundation laid, let's get into it. Panel, your overall thoughts, assessments, and value of Danton Lynn as the Trojans' new defensive coordinator. We start off, as always, with Mark Culkin. Yeah, so look, I, I I don't think he was at the top of anybody's choice list. 
but I'm not upset about this. Um, you know, I saw all I needed to see from his defense when he trotted out the Bruins against USC. Um, when you hold the Trojans, Lincoln Riley's offense to two offensive touchdowns and three yards rushing, you're doing something right. Uh, I don't I don't care, you know, what he inherited as far as, you know, size of players. UCLA's defense in 2022 was barely better statistically than USC's. They were, you know, they, they were bad. Uh, and to see the difference that they made or that his defense made in one year, just imagine if he accomplished half of that at USC in 2023. We probably aren't going to the Holiday Bowl. Now, I, I like the hire. Um, you know, one of the the questions is he's only done it for one year. I get that. Um, but with that said, you know, Lincoln Riley said the right things, which is ironic considering, you know, who he chose to keep around for the defense for, for a second year. When he said, what I told Coach Lynn is my mentality going into it is we're going to do everything we can in this program to accelerate the process of us playing great defense as USC. Everything we do is going to be done with the defensive mind first. So I guess that's a new philosophical change that Lincoln Riley, at least he's saying it, that the defense is now first and foremost um, when it comes to putting this team together. And, you know, he also used other, you know, other coach speak things as non-negotiables on his part, making sure that they aligned with uh, what Coach Lynn wanted. So we're going to see going forward. Um, again, I like the hire. I like what I saw, what his defense did against USC when he was at UCLA for the, you know, for that for that blink of a time. And is he going to be able to carry that over? And is is Lincoln Riley going to, you know, not just say the words? Is he going to act upon them? Is he going to make sure their front four are bigger across the line? You know, that that was the other thing that that Riley spoke about is not just the philosophical differences, but the, you know, there were significant differences in everything that he, what he was doing before and what they're going to be doing going forward. So now we need to see, is Lincoln Riley going to stand behind those words? I like everything he said during the, the Zoom call Monday. Now, uh, now we'll see if they follow through. Eric, your thoughts? So I, I'm in agreement with Mark when you when you list out the best defensive coordinators in college football right now, the the one the names that come to mind. Danton Lynn is not in that group unless you specifically saw him, then you know what he did. But but he doesn't have that name cachet throughout the country that some of the other guys do. Having said that, I'm okay rolling the dice based on what you saw. There there's a ton of questions just because he's called he's called plays for a year now. I mean at any at any level past this, you know, in the NFL he's a position coach, kind of an assistant position coach for a long time. So so the track record is not there. The track record is not there. No no matter how you want to say what he did in 2023 with UCLA that being said you can get a sense on a guy and how serious he is about something and how much he how well he can coach it and I think that's what stands out to me he didn't pick any of his assistants 
at UCLA. He showed up and they were all in there. I guarantee you UCLA does not have the best, you know, uh, assistant coaches in college football. I think those guys are okay. I think they're, they're, they're good, but that was on Lynn to go in and, and change that culture and get everything done at UCLA in one year. And he got help from the players and and from his assistants, the position coaches also, but his ability to step in and teach it and get them, get the players to understand it and play it well, I think is what really stands out about him and what USC is, is absolutely going to need to get from him right away. It's, it's a little bit of a, of a lose lose for him maybe because that bar is now so high for what USC is going to expect him to be able to do coming in in year one against a schedule that is not comparable to the schedule that that UCLA played in in 2023. I mean, it, it is all the changes going into a new conference with teams he's not familiar with seeing and and uh, all of the stuff that that you're kind of stepping into at USC. So. I, I, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with kind of, I don't think it's a dice roll. I think you're just, you, you see that he's ascending. You see that he got it in his first year in college and you want to sort of harness that and, and use that to your benefit. And, And I think he's going to be able to do that, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of, I think right now, and it's, and it's belief and it's sort of betting on that he can do it without being able to point to he did it here and he did it here and he's done it at this school for five years with film on his defense and and all of that so there's a there's a lot of questions and then just just to wrap my part up I think Mark what Mark said is important what you heard from Lincoln Riley on Monday was a different way of talking about defense and it all gets finished with we'll see we'll we'll see right we'll see how it how it goes out it's great to say it. It's great to say it. You love you love to hear it. That's the first step. The first step is for him to say, we are going to play great defense. When push comes to shove, if we have to make a decision on whether we're going to go something that benefits the offense or something that benefits the defense, he said kind of for the first time, we're going to give the edge to the defense at, at every decision like that. Again, we'll see, but that's the first step in what you want to hear, what you want to hear from Lincoln Riley, and, and it feels different from him in that. So I, I, I think you go forward with this guy thinking that he probably has a good chance to get it done. If Lincoln Riley follows up with everything that he talked about and, and the way he talked about this program changing to go at least, at least a little, not maybe it doesn't get defense first, but it doesn't get like defense fifth at, at this point going forward. You, you move it up the pecking order a bit. All right, Chris Arledge, your perspective. Yeah, I think I think I agree with what both guys said. There's a risk here because he doesn't have a long and distinguished track record. What he does have is a pretty dramatic turnaround at a at a program that isn't exactly known for playing fierce defense, right? And and for a head coach that isn't known for that. UCLA gave up 4.4 yards per play this year. Only only four teams in the country are better than that. By the way, five of the top eight teams in that category, which I think is a pretty important category, are Big Ten teams. 
largely because they don't play offense in the Big Ten. Well, let's be honest about this. They don't play offense in the Big Ten. And a lot of the names that came up, Manny Diaz and Phil Parker and, and everybody's favorite Jim Leonard, while I think they're probably great coaches, um, those guys also have been coaching and building resumes in a conference that doesn't play offense. I mean, the best team in the Big Ten was Michigan. Michigan played a whole half where they didn't throw a pass. Now, that's great if you're Woody Hayes, but that also means that that they were showing a pretty limited offensive package, right? I mean, it's not like they were – that's not like playing USC with Caleb Williams or Oregon with Bo Nix or Washington with Michael Penix. It's not like that. It's a completely different thing. Um, and UCLA dodged some of those teams this year. I get that. But what we're, you're talking about a guy who stepped in and did a remarkable turnaround. And it's not, just, it's not just that the stats were better. It's that that UCLA team played hard and they played fast and they played physical and they pushed USC's offense all around the field all day. Um, and they did. And it's, it wasn't just that. I mean, they, they went to Utah and they went toe-to-toe with Utah physically. Um, if Utah doesn't get that pick six early in the game, that's a 7-7 game. I mean, and I know that Utah wasn't great offensively, but what I'm saying is UCLA went toe-to-toe with the team that's usually the most physical team in the conference and not only didn't shrink, but they matched them. That doesn't happen unless somebody causes it to happen. That's impressive, okay? Would it surprise me then if he came around and did what USC badly needs, which is somebody to instill a new attitude with this defense where the guys are tough, physical, know their assignments, and play with their hair on fire? No, I think he'll probably be able to do that. But I say probably because it's not like he's done a lot of it. The other thing I think he gives you, I don't know what kind of recruiter he is because we haven't seen a lot of that, right? He doesn't recruit in the NFL. Um and at UCLA, you don't really recruit. So I don't know I don't know what kind of recruiter he is. I suspect a guy this young who has that playing background is probably a guy who the players are going to be able to relate with. The fact that he changed UCLA's mentality defensively as quickly as he did tells me he's probably pretty good at connecting with players. So I suspect he'll probably be a pretty good recruiter, too. So this is not a sure thing, but I'm not disappointed. In it. I, I think that if you're not gonna, if you're not able to land one of the sure things, sorry, I've, I've been coughing nonstop for about two weeks. If you're not able to land a sure thing, you're going with a, a, an up and comer who you think is pretty likely to do at least a good job and maybe a lot better than that. And you're probably also getting a guy that's going to be around for a few years, right? Because He's not a guy who's going to have one successful season at USC and then jump to a head coaching position. Uh, this is a guy who's going to who's going to have to be around a few years before he can make that jump. So if he's good, you're probably going to get him for three or four years, is my guess. That's not a terrible thing either. So all in all, all in all, I'm 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 pretty excited about it. And Eric's right that Lincoln Riley is is speaking the way he should be speaking. Does he mean it? I don't know. But I'll say this. I know Lincoln Riley doesn't want a repeat of what happened last year, right? I mean, as as much as that was awful for all of us to watch, you know it's a lot worse for him. I mean, this is his career. It's his life. It's his football team. It's his name that goes on that 7-5 and five record when, when USC was a preseason top five team. Um Lincoln Riley needs things to change dramatically defensively, and I think he knows that. 
So <laughs> whether he can make that happen or not, I don't know. But I suspect it's not empty talk. I think Lincoln Riley really does want to go out and field a defense that stops people rather than a defense that gives up 40-something a game. It's not fun to be an offensive coordinator for a team whose defense gives up 44 points a game, right? That's not great. It means that you have to score every time you get the ball. I don't think Lincoln, I don't think Lincoln Riley wants to be in that position again. So, um, not a sure thing, but I am, I am optimistic, and I think that this hire could actually work out pretty well. Okay. Um, hope your cough feels better. We'll give you a little time out here. Um, it wasn't a home run hire, uh, using baseball analogy, but it was a triple and I'll take a triple. Uh, I think that there were other people they contacted who may have turned them down. So you go with the best option in the long range future. So I had no problem with, with Lynn being named, uh, you know, even if it was just on one season of, of work, uh, also the schedule that he went up against was well, it was pretty cotton at UCLA for the most part, right? But you, you go with what what you uh, what we scheduled, and he did quite well, no doubt about it. In terms of, uh, I think Lincoln Riley's mind is what happened when you know when UCLA played SC, and if I recall correctly, SC only had seven points, so that's. Uh, but then again, the SC offense had sputtered uh, in consistency uh, in the second half of the season. They played, of course, better teams, uh, so. You know, how much of it was the system or how much of it was Lincoln Riley's offense fell upon Lincoln Riley's lap? Uh, I mean, you can speculate that uh, all you want. Uh, I think that I like the way he has gone about, uh, and I'm talking about Lynn here, about attacking recruiting and who he's recruiting. In fact, when I was uh, with, uh, with Eric and we were doing the four down show, one of the questions that Eric posed was, what is the first things he should do? And I think I, I made a, a heavy emphasis on recruit, recruit, and contact all the guys, not only externally, but also within your own program. You know, you got to have people buy in. I think they're receptive to it. In terms of Lincoln Riley and his comments, uh, you know, he, he was out there to make out sure that all his talking points were consumed locally and nationally by the media. This all of a sudden, this epiphany that we're going to be this Everything's going towards defense. Well, consider what situation he's in. He's getting tattooed nationally uh, about his defenses, not only this year, but everyone starts dredging up back to the Oklahoma years. So that's always a bad sign. So he knows he's got to, whatever he says, he has to prove it. And this goes back to him. He's the CEO. So my feeling with Lincoln Riley is, okay, here you got it, dude. You have said this is what you're going to have. You. You said you're going to have the best defensive staff in America. I think I, I heard that uh, today. Um, so when it comes down to things, I think Mark kind of brought up this, um, you know, you know, non-negotiables. Does that mean his coaching staff? Uh, and we're going to find out. You know, we know how Lincoln Riley feels about uh, loyalty toward his staff, which is, I think, admirable, honestly. But then, you know, he's talking about all these philosophical changes that he wants. Well, did he just find out about this? He brought Alex Grinch over. It sounded to me like he was kind of throwing Alex uh, under the bus a little bit. Maybe that wasn't his intention, but that was the impression that I got when I was yeah. listening to him. Seems I, like I a agreed good place with... for Alex Grinch, though, doesn't it, Greg? <laughs> uh, 
Well, I, I say, I'll say this, you know, whatever Alex Grinch did or didn't do, I think he worked hard at it. Uh, but I think that, that if Lincoln Riley knew these things, uh, and maybe he didn't, but it obviously after two years uh, at SC, it wasn't a good fit, but we'll see about uh, Mr. Riley and how his defensive uh, verbiage uh, comes true uh, this season, which is going to be an awful, terrible challenge to try to all of a sudden turn out, you know, to be one of the great defensive teams that the school has ever seen. I don't think anybody's expecting that, but it's an interesting thing. I, I and I'm going to, I'm going to just sit there and enjoy watching how it happens. Uh, and certainly it's going to be something that recruits are going to be watching. I do think he'll be a good recruiter. I think, you know, he just has to flash his NFL credentials. Players listen. That's where they all want to go to the NFL. So we'll see. All right, moving on here. Uh, fans, ever been caught in the last minute ticket frenzy? The stress, uncertainty, it's crunch time. You don't need it, but guess what? There's a game-changing solution. It's called Game Time. Imagine this, effortless ticket buying for all your favorite sports, music, comedy, and theater events. No more frantic searches. Game Time is your ultimate ticket buddy. That sure sounds good to me. You want some perks? Okay. How about incredible deals on last-minute tickets and a rock-solid best price guarantee? Say goodbye to ticket anxiety and hello to the sheer joy of being in the moment. The USC regular season has been completed. Trojans are headed to the DirecTV San Diego Holiday Bowl for a date with college football playoff number 15, Louisville Cardinals, on Wednesday, December 27th at Petco Park. You can check out Game Time for the best ticket options for the Holiday Bowl. And a reminder, also check out Game Time for the best ticket values for SC basketball games at the Galen Center. So check out the Game Time tickets after watching or listening to today's Inside the Trojan Subtle. And aside from USC tickets, you can also head to game time for Rams, Chargers, Lakers, Clippers, tickets to all your favorite L.A. teams. And don't forget those concerts as well. Flash deals, easy access, seat view images, unbeatable best price guarantee, event protection. Game time has it all from sports to rock concerts. So here's the deal. Head to GameTime.co. That's GameTime.co. That's co, not .com. Download the app, create an account, use Trojans. The code TROJANS for $20 off your first purchase. You ready to dive in? As for buying tickets, it's easy as tapping on your phone. Tickets are sent straight to your phone. Again, download the GameTime app. Create an account. Use code TROJANS for $20 off. Terms apply. Create an account. Redeem code TROJANS for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices guaranteed. All right, second quarter. The TROJANS are headed to the DirecTV Holiday Bowl in San Diego to face the ACC's Louisville Cardinals. First, the big news. Although probably not shocking, Lincoln Riley confirmed at his Monday morning media scrum that quarterback Caleb Williams will not be playing in the Holiday Bowl. No reason was given, but there's little doubt that it's only a matter of time until Caleb officially declares for this spring's NFL draft. Uh, we will have more on Caleb's situation uh, at the halftime section following this second quarter. There's also no doubt that the starting quarterback for the Trojans in the Holiday Bowl will be sophomore Miller Moss, who figures to be the starting quarterback heading into spring ball as well. For the calendar record, the Holiday Bowl will be played on Wednesday, December 27th at Petco Park, also home to the baseball San Diego Padres. Kickoff time again is 5 p.m. Pacific, and it'll be televised on Fox. As for the Trojans, Holiday Bowl opponent, 
The CHP's number 15, Louisville Cardinal. They are led by first-year head coach Jeff Brom, who guided the Cardinals to its first 10-win season since 2013 and first conference title game in school history. Louisville finished the regular season at 10-3 and overall, 7-1 and in the ACC, but lost 16-6 to the CFP's number 5 Florida State Seminoles in Saturday night's ACC championship game. And by the way, Louisville's 7-1 record in conference matched their all-time best ACC record. This will be Louisville's 26th all-time bowl appearance. And the Cardinals hold a 12-13 postseason record. Cardinals will be making their first holiday bowl appearance, while the Trojans will be marking their fourth holiday uh, bowl appearance. As for the Trojans, their last trip to the holiday bowl, which was guided by former head coach Clay Helton, was in 2019, which resulted in that disastrous 49-24 loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes at Qualcomm Stadium. The Trojans, again, have lost five of the last six games here in 2023. They'll try to right the ship against Louisville and provide Lincoln Riley just his second bowl victory in five tries as a head coach. And as an added holiday bowl note, Coach Riley did say on Monday the running back Austin Jones will play, but he also mentioned that the Trojans would be out would be without naming players, some other players on the team who won't participate. So with all that long-winded uh, background on Louisville, here's this deal, panel. Your overall thoughts and impressions on the Trojans playing Louisville in the Holiday Bowl. Good matchup, bad matchup, intriguing matchup, no-win situation matchup. What do you think, Chris? It's a tough matchup. Louisville's a good football team. And, I mean, this is a team that really took it to Notre Dame. And uh, that's something that I think will catch our guys' attention because they remember what uh, what happened with the Irish. I think it's probably about the best match of you. For a while, it looked like Clemson might be the opponent, and and Clemson may have been a little better in this regard. But I think Louisville's a good enough opponent. I think it's going to get our guys' attention, and they'll show up ready to play. One of the problems USC has through the years is anytime they're in a second or third tier bowl. It's because they're extraordinarily disappointed. And they're usually playing a team from a non-Power 5 conference, which um, which couldn't be more excited to go out and play USC on national television. We get it handed to us. I think that I think that with Louisville, at least, our guys are going to come ready to play. And they're going to know they're playing an opponent that could embarrass them if they're not careful. That being said, um, Louisville's a good football team. They're a better football team this year than USC has been. And uh, and USC is now going to have to figure out a way to score points with uh, without Caleb Williams. The offensive line is going to have to play much, much better than they have because they're going to have to be able to run the ball and protect the quarterback. Um, I don't think Miller Moss is going to be able just to run around for seven or eight seconds and throw the ball 50 yards downfield. And I don't know if USC can do that. I mean, we don't we don't really know. We haven't seen it yet this year. Um. We also don't know what to make of the defense. Obviously, you know, the, the new defensive coordinator won't be a part of uh, coaching the defense right now. Um, I do think that that USC made some strides defensively after Alex Grinch left. They made a real effort to actually stop the run. Didn't always work, but they actually tried. And I think they're going to have to make a real effort here because, um, because they're going to have to try to make Louisville one-dimensional. So... Um, I mean, do I think it's a, is, is this the matchup that USC fans wanted going into the season? No, 
am I excited about this? Am I going to buy, you know, holiday bowl 2023 gear and, and wear it for the next three years? Pretty good chance I'm not. But it's not a terrible game, all things considered. And, and I, think it's a, I think it's a game that can get our guys' attention. Whether that's enough, I don't know. Because I don't know, I don't know how good USC is capable of being this year. And if they don't play a lot better against Louisville, then I think they're probably going to get their heads handed to them, which I don't want. But, I mean, look, honestly, seven and five to seven and six, I mean, it doesn't really freaking matter. It doesn't. The season's a disaster no matter what happens. You can't salvage it against Louisville, and it doesn't, and it doesn't become more of a nightmare if you lose to Louisville. So, whatever. Have fun playing the game. Let's see what happens. We'll get a chance to see, I'm guessing, both quarterbacks, right? Makes no sense not to play Malachi Nelson, at least some in this game. And, and that'll be pretty intriguing to see what those guys can do. I think you're going to see some of the young uh, running backs play in this game. That's intriguing, right? These are guys we're going to have to rely on who I think are pretty good. So there will be some interesting things to watch. And hopefully USC can play well enough up front that, that they make it a game. I think they will, but this year, this year I wouldn't exactly bet the mortgage payment on it. <laughs> Mark, would you would you bet the mortgage payment on this game? No, not at all. Louisville, they're they're coming into this game on a two game losing streak. They they lost their rivalry game to Kentucky. We saw they just lost this past weekend to Florida State. USC's riding a three game losing streak. So hopefully, you know USC is motivated just wanting to to not write a four game losing streak and you know usc hasn't won a bowl game and i can't remember the last time but what chris was talking about here you know it's a good matchup louisville's a very balanced team you know, at least if you're looking at it statistically um you know they put up 420 yards per game they're scoring 31 points per game uh they might do that against usc's defense and even though louisville's Louisville struggled offensively against Florida State. That's a good defense that they went up against. Louisville's quarterback played it, you know, against USC last year when he was Cal's quarterback, and he lit USC up. So we know what happens when somebody goes up against USC's defense. USC's defense gets lit up by somebody. Hopefully, um, this time Jack Plummer doesn't get to experience another 400-yard performance like he did two years ago. So again, yeah, they, they throw the ball well, they run the ball well, they're what, 175 on the ground, 245 through the air. Um, that's going to stress USC's defense. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they come out looking. You know, how much of DeAnton Lynn's new philosophical defensive scheme is going to be implemented? I don't think a whole lot of it, but you know, I'm sure we'll see a little bit of it. You know, does USC want to look at the tape where they where Louisville, you know, kind of handled Notre Dame easily? Let's not forget, just like USC turned the ball over five times in South Bend, Notre Dame turned the ball over five times when they played that game in Louisville. Now you credit Louisville's defense. They, you know, they created those those turnovers. With that said, uh, if USC can just hold on the ball, see what these young guys can do. Um I, I think it'll be a competitive game. I'm hoping it's a competitive game. It, it, USC and Louisville not playing each other ever before should hopefully draw some fan interest. So 
what is it a Eric that's your neck of the woods what is that a 52,000 seat stadium somewhere around there it should be I'm sorry it's 50,000 that's what they listed for Petco Park and football for the holiday bowl 50,000 yeah yeah so there you go so I I anticipate a a decent sized crowd um other than that you know Eric Chris touched on it it's a lower tier bowl game and depending on how motivated uh, USC is, will determine how how well we, this team plays. Now, I don't know. Have we found out why Malachi Nelson wasn't available to be in uniform against UCLA? He, Lincoln Riley talked, to, he, he mentioned him briefly, but if he wasn't available then, is he going to be available to back up Miller Moss in this game? Who, who's That's breaking? an excellent question. We know we're down to three running backs, two true freshmen, one hasn't touched the ball since September 9th. Uh, fortunately, Austin Jones is suiting up. But right now, what do you got a quarterback? All right. Well, maybe some of these answers can be provided by Eric McKenney. Eric, what do you think? You grew up in the San Diego area. Is this game going to sell? Uh, your overall perspective on the uh, game itself. I don't I don't care. I don't care who wins. It, do, it does not matter. It does not matter in this in the least two wins what I'm what I like about the matchup is that it's not Duke or Boston College or Georgia Tech right and those those, when you talk about the the non-Rose Bowl bowl games that USC goes to that's typically who they get and they don't show up and they get run over they give up 280 rushing yards to a team like that Chris is right. Louisville should get their attention. I mean, you you should show up. What really should get their attention too? You're playing for jobs right now. If you're USC, if if you don't show up, I don't I don't know if it's a guarantee that you're going to show up for spring ball. I mean that that's kind of where you are. The guys that are leaving are playing for NFL jobs. The guys that still have eligibility are playing either to to get a job next year or get a job somewhere else in via, via the transfer portal after this. I mean, that, that's kind of where we are in college football, especially when you have a new coach coming in on a side of the ball that needs to be, I mean, snow globe shaken up on, on the defensive side right now. So that that's what I'm going to be most curious about who shows up, who plays with their hair on fire and who looks like they, they want it again. If it, if the, this Louisville team is good, they went kind of toe-to-toe with a team that a lot of people think should be in the playoff right now, quarterback or, or no quarterback. Uh, they've won some games. They've been tough. They don't rent. I mean, defensively, they're top 20-ish in most of the, the big categories. So this is a team that can play defense. USC is going to be without a quarterback. You're going to have a ton of maybe answers on that side it's ever since Caleb Williams has been here the whole talk has been yeah but what's this team without Caleb Williams well we're we're about to find out uh and so I think that that to me uh is interesting but but I think you're also going to get a look you're going to get a look at some freshmen it doesn't it, this doesn't count for your four game red shirt rule so you can throw everybody out there and We've heard Lincoln Riley talk a lot about, you know, playing young guys and this and that. And USC just never got into a space where they could roll a ton of guys off the bench. I'd be curious in this one 
since again, the win, a win or loss doesn't really matter. Do you go kind of deep into the bench and, and throw a bunch of freshmen out and, and see what they can do uh, in this game? Because again, when he mentioned we're going to be without other players too, whether that's injury, whether that's opt out, whether that's whatever that is, you're going to get a sense, I think, of of pretty deep uh, into this this USC roster. So how they match up, what they can do. I mean, Louisville is going to run the ball. They ran the ball sort of all year. Um, USC is going to have to figure out how to stop that. But the ins and outs and scheme matchup and and that kind of stuff, just who wants to play? Who, who, who wants to show up and play and kind of prove themselves to Dan Lynn and to, to this program, I think moving forward, that, that for me is, is the key in this one. Well, I'll tell you what, I, if you ask Lincoln Riley, I'm sure he would say the, this, this game does matter because if they lose this game and from my perspective, while seven and five isn't good, seven and six is really bad because I, the knives will be, throwing against the the target of Lincoln Riley uh, because they'll go to his bowl record. They'll go to, you know, Caleb Williams. If it wasn't for Caleb Williams, you'd have a losing record, right? There are so many things that could put USC in a, and, and Lincoln Riley, especially in a negative light. My question is, is do the SC players really get fired up to play this game? I've got my doubts. And the reason for that is, the old saying, don't play the name, play the game. I don't know if Louisville would get many people's attention uh, uh, as a power. I mean, I know that Oregon State for the Sun Bowl is all excited because they're playing Notre Dame. I I believe that Louisville will bring fans. You know, San Diego is a great town. They, they do a good job on the Holiday Bowl, having been to that game and covered it for the times that USC was there. But my my guess is that SC fans are probably not fired up about this. Uh, I think if it would have been Clemson, I think they really would be fired up because Clemson's been a brand name for for quite a while on the national stage. Louisville is kind of like for old people, they'll still say, well, Louisville's a a basketball school. They're still living in the Denny Crum world. Uh, But, you know, I think that for SC, and I think Eric made a great point, players are playing for their positions going into spring who may not even, if they don't come to play, they might find themselves uh, in the portal looking around when they get the hint. I don't think you're going to play a lot next year. So there's a lot of undercurrent from a football standpoint. As far as uh, uh, the glitz and glamour of it all, uh, Louisville will come to play. They're going to play USC. That's still the USC, the storied USC. And, uh, you know, I think that Lincoln Riley is going to be put on the spot here, uh, whether he can get his team up for it. Uh, they obviously weren't up for it for UCLA. If he couldn't get up for UCLA, you know, you got a real challenge here against uh, Louisville. I think, again, I think if they played Clemson, they would the players probably would have a greater attention to it. But it's going to have a lot of ramifications. I think if they can win the game, uh, it'll say a lot about a lot of things. Uh, hopefully they can win the game. Uh, but there's a challenge there both physically and mentally. So with that, a reminder to USC football fans, following the conclusion of each and every USC home and away game, including the Holiday Bowl, We Are SC brings you five things, a timely game analysis from moderator and We Are SC editor-in-chief Eric McKenney, along with columnist Mark Culkin and myself. 
again, that will follow uh, on that day, uh, the, the game, of course, at, at five o'clock. So we have to do our job right afterwards and get stuff done. And as soon as that, we tape the uh, five things and then it goes up as quickly as we can get it up. So with that, here's the bulletin. The big story. We've changed the script a little bit to be uh, uh, in sync with the latest headlines. So we got to talk about Caleb Williams and his legacy. As USC fans and all college football fans now know, USC's All-American quarterback, 2022 Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, according to head coach Lincoln Riley, will not be playing in the Holiday Bowl, which probably also signals his career as a Trojan is over. For the record, Caleb himself has not made any official statement regarding the Holiday Bowl or his NFL future. But that being said, and given the timing of Lincoln Riley's Monday's announcement regarding Caleb Let's use halftime to discuss your overall thoughts, opinions regarding Caleb Williams, his time at USC, where you place him in the pantheon of USC Trojans football lore. So how are you looking at this thing, Eric? Who is Caleb Williams? He came. He's apparently going. How do you see his legacy? I I think he's right up there, at, at least in recent, and I say recent, like last 20 years. I think he's right up there with Reggie Bush when you talk about the most exciting guys to watch offensively for USC. I think he's he's the best quarterback and it's not going to be the most the winningest quarterback, right? That that's there's a different discussion for those guys. Guys that win national championships at USC get held kind of in, in a different light. But when you look at just what when he took the field, when he got when he had the ball in his hands, you scooch forward a little bit and, and you kind of laser focused every time he had it. And every time he took a snap, you just thought some something's happening here. Something good is going to happen. And that's why the the sort of second half of the year and, and that schedule that they had and just watching the defense kind of fail game after game after game to give him any kind of support was so frustrating uh, in, in 2023. And I don't think long-term you're going to remember that. I think you're going to remember the, the serious highlights, the, the scrambling ability, the running ability, the deep balls, all of that kind of stuff. He did so much of that, that I think when we're talking about, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, that's the stuff that's going to be, it's going to be really easy to remember. There, There's things, especially again, late in the year when, when it felt like that pressure was on and he had to do so much. And, and there was all that, again, what you assume was frustration, just kind of building with the offense and how it was functioning uh, that you think, oh, you know, you could do this, you could do that. But stepping all the way back and just kind of kind of thinking about the feelings you had when he was playing at, at USC. I think you're going to remember him up, up there among the great USC players. Chris. Yeah, I think Eric's on to something with the Reggie Bush comparison. I think those probably are the two most exciting players I've seen in my, whatever it's been 40 years plus of watching USC football. But Caleb Williams had a lot more on his shoulders than Reggie, right? I mean, Reggie had Reggie had a really good passing game. He had a really good defense. He had another running back that got about as many carries as he did, who was outstanding. 
So Reggie was a guy who could contribute highlight plays and he could win you games and he did. But he wasn't a guy that you relied upon each and every week to be fantastic. That's what that's what USC asked Caleb Williams to do. And for the most part, that's what they got. Caleb Williams is the most talented quarterback in USC history. I think he's probably also the best. Um, Matt Leinart has a better resume. But Matt Leinart was surrounded by, he was surrounded by dudes and he had a great coaching staff. So it's a different situation. I don't know that Caleb Williams is the best player in USC history, uh, even though he, he's probably the best, the best guy at the, at the most important position. USC's had a lot of other guys that I'm not sure had a weakness. And I'm not convinced that Caleb Williams doesn't have a weakness. I think he does. And it's something that he's going to have to to work on uh, when he goes to the NFL. And hopefully he'll be in the right situation where he can. Um, Caleb Williams, um, in part because he couldn't trust his offensive line, uh, in part because Caleb Williams rightly wanted to protect the football Caleb Williams was uh, was either unable or unwilling to get rid of the ball on time within the offense and throw the ball into in, into small windows. That's exactly what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL. He has the talent to do it, but he's going to have to learn to do it. And maybe more importantly, he's going to have to be willing to do it. Caleb Williams did not. I mean, he didn't throw very many picks, right? He didn't. He was not a gunslinger like like Brett Favre, where he just chucked the ball into places and hope it all worked out. That's not his style of play. But that would sometimes hurt him because there are times when he probably needed to get rid of the ball and try to make a throw with his otherworldly talent, and he wouldn't. He would hold it and wait for something to happen. Um, I don't want to spend too much time knocking him. I think that was a significant weakness, and I think it hurt USC. That being said... What really hurt USC is that they couldn't protect the guy, right? And that they couldn't play defense. And if Caleb Williams if Caleb Williams had played on just about any of Pete Carroll's teams, um, you would have seen USC elevate from being the best team in college football to probably um, the best team in college football history any of those years because he was that good. And every time we saw him play, Literally every game we saw him play as a Trojan, he would do one, two, or three things that would just blow your mind. I mean, it got to the point where when Caleb Williams is sprinting to his left and he throws a dart into a really small window 25 yards downfield, you just said, oh, yeah, that's just Caleb being Caleb. But that was, but Caleb being Caleb was amazing, right? I mean, he would make throws that, that maybe Pat Mahomes could make or Aaron Rodgers, maybe Josh Allen, right? There are only a handful of guys in the world who can make those plays, and he would do it every week. Just an extraordinary talent and seemed to be a really good teammate too. I, people knocked him because they said he was aloof, but what I saw from Caleb Williams was a guy who was – a gigantic star who came to a program that was something of a mess and took all of that on his shoulders. He was in the spotlight. He had huge expectations. He was getting huge checks. And what he did is we tried to find a way to include his teammates, to include them in the, in the NIL opportunities he had, 
to include them in uh, in the Heisman uh, ceremony. And anytime people were shining a spotlight on Caleb, he did his best to shine that light on the guys around him. He was a good teammate. And from what I can tell, a good dude. And while the... <laughs> While this is a bitter disappointment uh, for USC's fans, and no doubt for Caleb Williams, he should go down as one of the all-time great Trojans who sadly wasn't put in a position where he could win it all. Because uh, give him a slightly better roster, and that's exactly what he would have done. Mark Culkin, you've been around a long time watching USC football. What's his, what, is, what is Caleb Williams' legacy? Yeah, it- I think comparing Caleb Williams to anybody but Caleb Williams is probably isn't fair. Uh, as far as you want, if you want to have the you know the the, the debate who was the most exciting Trojan ever, <clears throat> Caleb Williams or Reggie Bush, that would be a fun debate. I, I think Reggie, me, I, I think Caleb actually does compare to Carson Palmer. Yeah, from the fact that they both played on teams that were limited. They're going to both, um, you know, leave without having really won anything other than a Heisman, which is great. I mean, that's a team award as much as it, as it is an individual award. But I think it really highlights what their careers were at USC. Um, you know, I love Caleb Williams 2022 versus 2023. Caleb Williams, to me, this season, it was it's kind of like Greg's internet. It starts out really, really strong, but the longer it goes it just kind of fizzled out. And I don't know if it's because it's too much stress is being put on it, but that's kind of, you know, the way it felt this season. Um, And you don't want to blame him for that, but as far as what Caleb brought to the program, man, a lot of great memories. I mean, Chris touched on a whole bunch of them, including what he did off the field. You think about what he did in that game against Notre Dame last year at the Coliseum. You know, again, similar to like Carson Palmer, he had a really great game against Notre Dame at the Coliseum that helped propel him to the Heisman. It's those types of things that will stick out. But, you know, not, again, not having that that complete team around him, especially in year two, um, all of a sudden it was just kind of a matter of fact, oh, Caleb's done. He's not playing in the, in the bowl game. Hope you enjoyed him. That's all, folks. <laughs> like he was here and he's gone so hopefully um there'll be enough memories that will resurface and i'm maybe usc will figure it out get it right and they'll have caleb williams and reggie bush you know walking out of the tunnel hand by hand watching their you know heisman numbers together back up in the peristyle they got to figure this thing out because if you're going to make that connection that comparison to the most exciting players to ever where the Cardinal and gold. Um, I, I think it starts and stops with those two. I know, Greg, you want to go back to OJ, but let's keep it in, you know, the, the regular helmet era. <laughs> well, after those positive words, building my self-esteem. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he, his legacy is going to grow when he leaves USC because, as Mark pointed out, uh, his jersey number will be in that peristyle end. I don't know if Reggie Bush's will be there uh you know at the same time uh i suspect not but it could happen uh i think that um when uh you see that in mortality when you see the heisman trophies in you know in the heritage hall i think when you uh start talking about 
Uh, how does he get remembered? Uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of things that go down in his legacy. Uh, you know, Mike Garrett was a great, great superstar player at SC, but, you know, he never went to the Rose Bowl. So everyone know, knew at the time he was a great player, but he didn't go to the Rose Bowl. You know, you know, some of it was he fumbled in the game against UCLA that didn't help his cause. But, you know, that's he would tell you firsthand that, you know, his most disappointing memory of, of SC is that he couldn't get to the Rose Bowl. And uh, I think with Caleb, the thing about Caleb is, is it wasn't his first year was great, superstar great. Uh, and I think that he played with great confidence. I think as the season wore on, uh, I think he was hit so many times. I think he was rushed. I think the pressure of, I mean, the guy was on television. It seemed like he, if you watched a college football game, the Dr. Pepper. I mean, I don't think anybody has ever been through that before. I mean, there's been commercials, but not while a guy is still playing. And it was it, it was really incredible that he could handle the pressure like he did. So whatever negatives come that he didn't make an official announcement yet or that sort of stuff, you know, uh, at some point he's a human being, for goodness sakes. But I think that he will be elected to the USC Athletic Hall of Fame, so he'll be immortalized. Uh, if he has a tremendous NFL career, uh, he will always be remembered as the guy that came from USC. Uh, look at what Matt Liner did. He did not have... Uh, 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 a career of any measurement of success, basically, in the NFL. But look at him today. He's Matt Leinart of USC, and he's a immortal college football player. Certainly, he deserves every bit of it. Uh, and I think Caleb Williams in time will, I think with his personality, uh, he can evolve into uh, a personality. He can be on talk shows and host of them. Uh, so there's a lot to Caleb Williams that are beyond football. So I think in the overall sphere, his legacy will will burn bright in a different number of areas. All right, friends, again, we strongly encourage those of you watching Inside the Trojan Huddle on sites like YouTube. Click the like and red subscriber buttons. It's greatly valued, appreciated. It's free. You can also listen to Inside the Trojan Huddle on many available podcast sites. And be sure to check out wersc.com and become a premium subscriber. All right, second half kickoff, third quarter. It's time for the Big Ten Lightning round panel respond to the following 10 questions with quick responses. We'll go in this order. Mark, Eric, Chris, and myself. So here we go. Question one, yes or no. Do you believe that Lincoln Riley lived up to his end of the bargain in supporting Caleb Williams during his time at USC? Mark, yes or no? No. Okay, Eric. I mean, it's a tough yes or no question to answer there. I mean, supporting Caleb and moving out to L.A. and and becoming a better quarterback and all that, yes, in winning a national championship and doing everything you need to do defensively to put an entire team together, clearly, no, there, there was more to do. Chris? Yeah, the answer is no, because Caleb Williams – Caleb Williams needed a defense that could perform at, at least a decent level. And Lincoln Riley made a decision that everybody else in the world knew was wrong and it backfired. Yes. And I, I will say no for uh, all the reasons that uh, the, my three compadres here said, I, I think it will always be the question of uh, what 
with Lincoln Riley held accountable for. And I think it started off with not supporting uh, Caleb with a defense that would allow his offense to to take him to the playoffs. Question two, yes or no, more than 25,000 USC fans uh, will attend the Holiday Bowl against Louisville. Yes or no, Mark? No. Eric? No. After some vacillating there, Chris? Well, it's it's a good time, right? The 27th, <laughs> you have Christmas in L.A. You still can drive down a couple days later, drive back up. It's it's They, they should. It's a mid. It's a midweek game, though. That's that's the that's the killer. Chris, I'm not vacillated at all. No way. All right. Okay. No way. All right. I I, I say no. I think if it was Clemson, yes. Louisville, I don't think so. Question three: Former USC running back receiver Rayleigh Brown has entered the transfer portal officially. When it's all said and done, will he transfer to Oregon? Mark Culkin. No. All right. Eric. Yeah, I'm taking the field also. Okay, Chris. He probably will just to make me furious, but <laughs> but I I don't I don't think he I don't think he should. I'm not convinced that's a good fit for him. I hope he goes elsewhere. It's really frame right now. Chris. Uh I say that um if I'm put on the spot. I would say yes, that he would go there if they offer him because uh, they will run the ball. Question four, yes or no. Were you happy to see that Chip Kelly was retained for another season as UCLA's head football coach? Mark? Yes, sure. Why not? Eric? Yeah. Chris? I mean, I don't feel that strongly one way or the other. Chip Kelly... Uh, there's some there's some things Chip Kelly can do well, and while it's possible that UCLA would have uh, hired somebody worse than Chip, they may have stumbled into somebody better. So, whatever. I don't care about Chip Kelly. Uh, I would say I was happy to see him uh, get another year because it just showcases how there's that Clay Hilton syndrome of can we just move on from this guy and. The school obviously is not going to move on from him, and they're going to pay a price for that. Question five, yes or no. Are you surprised that Trojans head coach Lincoln Riley flew flew recently to meet with Kansas State uh, portal transfer quarterback Will Howard, who has one season of eligibility left? Mark? I wasn't surprised, so no. Okay, Eric? No. Chris? I wasn't surprised that he's meeting with transfer portal quarterbacks, but I was surprised by Will Howard. To be honest, I haven't watched K-State play all year. I had to look him up. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I was I was surprised only because of Will Howard, but what message does it send to Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson? <laughs> Honestly, I wonder what they were thinking uh, seeing that. Uh, question six, yes or no, although – uh, Marshawn Lloyd said on Sunday that he's entering the NFL draft. Uh, will he play against uh, in the hol- in the Holiday Bowl against Louisville? I guess we we kind of got that answer right. Uh, are we all in agreement that no, he's not going to play? Correct. Correct. Yep. All right. Question seven: Yes or no? Lincoln Riley will bring in at least two running backs from the portal. Mark. I think he might have to. I'm going to go. I'm going to change my answer to yes. Okay. Eric? 
I think I think you're okay with one, but I don't think it would be a bad idea to bring in two. Chris? I mean, that's a position where guys get banged up and, and it's a small room. So I think you'll probably bring in two. Yeah, you got three freshmen. You need some veterans back there, just bottom line. Yeah, and I agree. And one good thing that Lincoln Riley has done, probably should have done more of it, is uh, he allows players that want to showcase their skills, like a Lloyd, gave him just enough carries that he he looked like he was ready for the NFL, no doubt about it. Question eight, yes or no? You have gotten into a verbal or physical, have you, meaning panel, have you ever gotten into a verbal or physical confrontation with an opponent's fans before, during, or after a USC home or away game? Mark, have you gotten into it with somebody from the other team, fan, fan club? Yeah. <laughs> why am I not surprised by that? Eric? No. And why am I not surprised about that either? Uh, Chris? Um, just like trash talking back and forth. Yes. Uh, you can take, okay. Okay. Yes. I've never gotten in a physical, uh, altercation. Although during the Bush push game, some drunk idiot Irish guy sitting in front of us turned around and for no reason, other than the fact that we were in USC stuff, pushed my best friend and, uh, and his guys restrained him. So nothing came of it. So I don't know if that counts or not, but. It's the only bad experience I've ever had in South Bend. I mean, oh, that, well, it's the only experience I've had with a with a Notre Dame fan that was bad in South Bend. Lately, I've had a whole bunch of horrible experiences there. <laughs> uh, no, I have never gotten into a verbal or physical confrontation. I always say, I don't know where this other person's coming from. I don't know if he's a black belt in karate. I don't know what his, who his friends are in this day and age. I just kind of just keep my head straight and don't get into it. Question nine, yes or no, have you ever left a USC football game early, even when the final outcome was never in doubt? Mark? Recently. Not working, but recent times, yes. As a fan, okay. Eric? Yeah, we left the uh, the USC-Cal 2018 game at halftime. It was it was late, and uh, we're there was there with family. So it was 14-0 when I left, and then you guys all let Cal come back and win so I'm, I'm not taking responsibility for that not surprising uh chris my old policy was always to stay until the final gun no matter what and that was true through the paul hackett years through whatever uh, but that did change during the clay helton years and the first time i ever left a usc game early was at south bend down 35 nothing to the irish i was sitting next to Luther Bradley and all of his teammates, I was being taunted mercilessly. And I had to ask myself, do I want to sit through two more quarters of this merely so I get struck in that, in that traffic? And I said, no. And I felt good about that decision every day since. All right. Now question 10, we always try to do a little offbeat question here. So guys, did you go to your high school prom? If you did, what do you remember? And if you didn't go to your prom, why not? Mark Culkin. I did. I don't remember anything, and I don't want to remember anything. That's where he got in a fight with a UCLA fan. What <laughs> <Eric> was there? <laughs> Eric. Yeah, I, will, I went with my uh, my now wife. Oh, Kleenex touching, touching. You asked the question. I asked the question, and you delivered the answer. Well, congratulations, and it worked out. Uh, Chris? 
Uh, I did. I went with Eric's now wife. No, I um, and fought a UCLA <laughs> fan. <laughs> uh, I went my junior year. It, it wasn't a great time. I skipped my senior year. All right. I didn't go to my prom either year. I thought it was a big waste of money. Why? Unless you had a girlfriend, and I didn't at the time. Uh, why would you pay in those days? Like today, they five hundred dollars. Why would you pay all that money for one date? Now, when I was uh, teaching at Edison High School, I chaperoned the prom a couple of times, and uh, then I then I was was doing varsity basketball over at Santa Ana High School. You know, I would chaperone the prom. It was always funny because I'd be standing there, just kind of relaxing, and then some guys, you know, they were in my class or guys on my team or whatever. They go, they walk up, and they go, "Hey, Coach Katz, are you having a good time?" I said, "Yeah, that's okay, it's fine." I go, you having a good time? They go, no. I go, why aren't you having a good time? Oh, she's in the bathroom with all of her friends. Uh, and, and you know, I, I, we hardly even say anything. Or I said, well, uh, how many times have you gone out with her? Oh, this is the first time. I said, this is your first time? And you spent all that money? He go, yeah. Oh, man, I'll never do this again. And I said, well, I'll hold you to it. If you're a junior, you know, we'll see if you, we see each other again as a senior. So, no, I thought it. I thought for a, for one day to spend all that money was a big waste. And uh, you know, people say, "Oh, you're gonna regret never going to your prom, or you'll never live it down." I go, you know what? I could care less. I, it hasn't faced me since. So that was the way it goes. All right. Uh, as we always do here, between the third and fourth quarter of the huddle, we are going to light our symbolic torch. Coliseum symbolic torch. For those of you that are not familiar with the USC routine, having never seen a game, maybe the Big Ten fans that are viewing, between the third and fourth quarter, they light the torch of the Coliseum, the famous torch, and then they play uh, some uh, music uh, to it, the uh, William Tell Overture. And uh, it's quite a production, very symbolic if you go to a USC game. And a reminder, while the torch burns, uh, for all you recruitaholics out there, don't forget to watch WeRSC.com's weekly recruiting video show, Recruiting Roundup, with nationally respected Scott Schrader, the best in the business, and host Dylan Brazier. And remember as well to watch Friday's Four Down show with moderator Eric McKenney, along with myself, bringing you the latest info on USC's next opponent, uh, which will be, of course, uh, Louisville Cardinal. And this is all sponsored by Prize Pick. So we head into the fourth quarter. Always a special time for our viewers. This is where you ask us questions. We give you our perspective and answers. So let's get to it. Question one from Blade Runner in Tejas. The Seminole defense, that's the Florida State Seminole, defense dominating Louisville in the ACC title game made me question uh, CLR, that's Coach Lincoln Riley's offensive first philosophy, when was the last uh, game our defense played with such intensity? All right, panel, who, when's the last game that SC's defense played with a lot of intensity? Oregon State, 2022. Wow. Okay. Any other uh, viewpoints on this one? How about that uh, that game where Clay Helton beat Chris Peterson up in Seattle? Now, that's that a good was, one. That was a really good performance on both sides of the ball. Yes, it was. I, I can remember. Hey, help praise. Whoa. <laughs> it will never happen. It will never happen. Come on, give the guy a. Hey, he's I going to be fair. 
I'd like to be hey, fair. The reason just I just caught me by surprise. That's all. I understand. I'm I'm unpredictable, Mark. Well, isn't Clay Helton also going to a bowl game this year? I wouldn't know. I believe he is. Yes, he his team finished, uh, I believe, six and six. So they they're going Sounds to a right. bowl game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Eric, nothing strikes you a memory of any time you thought they played with great intensity on defense. No, those are fine. Those are fine. I mean, I was going to go way back. Like, like what's like, way back? Well, I mean, the the first game that came to mind was there was like a 13-10 USC Stanford win up in Palo Alto, like 2014 or something like that. Uh, but, I mean, that tells you, right? My mind immediately skipped like a decade going going back because I assumed <laughs> there would be nothing nothing in recent history. Post-traumatic stress syndrome, no doubt about it. All right, question uh, two from Trojan Fan in the Valley. Do you think Danton Lynn will bring Ken Norton Jr. to the SC staff? Who do you think the big money staff additions we are hearing about on the boards is? Lastly, who would you want him to add to his staff, and who would you let go? Now, this is obviously this is a very uh, sensitive subject when you start talking about who would you let go and you start naming names. So. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get the answer to that particular point of the question, but uh, all right, panel, what about the other parts of it? Is Norton going to come back to USC? Look, uh, here's what I'll say. So I'm not naming names. Okay. Start fresh. If you're going to go new philosophical differences across the board, let Danton Lynn come in, let him bring in who he wants, whether he keeps somebody or just brings in a whole new staff. I don't care. But Let's make Lincoln Riley back up his words. It's going to be the best staff in college football. That's all. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, I I agree with what you said, Mark. You know, if you're going to come out with comments, it's going to be the best staff. Of course, I I hear that all the time from coaches. We're going to have the best staff in America. Well, I think Lincoln Riley really has to make an effort to make that happen because of the situation he's in. If he didn't have a 10-year contract and it was only five years, he'd really be feeling the heat. Well, look, uh, it seems like $11 million is the is the going market rate right now for your assistant coaching pool. You're, Jonathan Smith is getting that at Michigan State. Elko's getting that at Texas A&M. I would hope USC is in that ballpark. Any other comments about this? You guys, do you think he's going to bring in a whole new staff? Or do you think that's... I mean, nobody, nobody would possibly object with how bad they were last year if you just said we're changing every single thing about the defense. Nobody would. The flip side of that is what sense do you have of what the, I mean, we we saw glimpses when Alex Grinch was let go of, Oh, th- this looks a little bit different. These guys are playing a little bit different here. So what, how, how severely were hands tied behind backs on what they wanted to do or how they would do different things with their position groups. Ultimately you can be, this kind of position coach under this coordinator and this kind of position coach under this coordinator. So if, if Danton Lynn comes in, gets to know the guys and goes, yes, we absolutely see eye to eye on this. And you're the guy that I want to coach. I don't know if you, how much you let last year's performance play a role in that. Now, what I don't like is when coaches say, Oh, I've already put the best staff together. I'm bringing everyone with me from, from the last stop I was at. I mean, Sark tried to do that with all his Washington guys coming down. Lincoln Riley kind of tried to do that a little bit with all the Oklahoma guys 
coming over and it just becomes, I, I think there is, I think there's a benefit to new ideas and, and new kind of mixing of, of people when you put a, a staff together. But yeah, if it turns out that it's just the guys who are already here and a couple UCLA guys coming over, the idea that you went and had this exhaustive, we're putting the best staff together idea. Oh, and they all happen to already live within 10 miles of each other. Uh, that that doesn't doesn't exactly strike me as as truthful. And you know what also doesn't strike me as truthful, and maybe that's the wrong word, is that Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, on Monday with press conference, you know, he starts talking about uh, what he sees as a defense, this complete, uh, I don't know, one eighty. That I want big defensive linemen. I want this. I want that. Was that what he was thinking when he brought? Uh, Alex Grinch over I think there's just Uh, too much on on side like big guys are better you can defend the run well as not a huge massive body you can be quick you can understand leverage the problem with USC's guys were they were a little light and then they'd get turned sideways and pushed into the sidelines I mean that that was that was what was happening way too often so I think that I think that becomes think can you teach him how to defend the run at at whatever size they are and and lynn clearly did that at ucla they were unbelievable against against the run this year aaron donald is undersized you can make an argument he's the best interior defensive lineman in nfl history he's undersized you you can you can you can be good with smaller guys eric's right i mean uh, usc slanted so much that that it was relatively simple just to keep pushing guys to the sideline in ways that that open up gigantic gaps, but uh, I would rather have big guys who are athletic <laughs> than, than small guys. But uh, you know, Mike Patterson wasn't huge; he was just unblockable. Now, uh, go ahead. What direction Tony Wiley goes this off season? Does he still be telling? Absolutely. Right. All right, Trojan fan in the Valley has a second follow-up question. He says, sorry, love my Trojans, but we were just awful this year, especially on defense. What makes anyone think that we can beat this team, meaning Louisville, especially most likely with no Caleb Williams, or we know the answer to that, and no Marshawn Lloyd. I think we know the answer to that. Surprise, the spread has the Cardinals at only 6.5 point favorites. Any thoughts on that? Well, it's eight now. I think climbing nine and and maybe getting a double, double digits at some point. As as yeah. it climbed since that announcement, Eric. Yeah, yeah, and it should. But can USC beat Louisville? I mean, sure. USC has some athletes. Get some turnovers. Make a couple of plays. Get a punt return from from Zachariah Branch. Yeah, of course they could beat them. I don't know that they will. But it's not like this would be the biggest upset in college football history either, right? I mean, right. it's not. I just want to let that kind of resonate here for, for, for a couple seconds. USC is approaching a double-digit underdog status for Louisville. Okay. Well, Louisville, too. I mean, the idea that Louisville is going to come up five. No, I just, I just mean for this game, absolutely fired up and ready to go. They had to have thought they were going to beat Florida State in the ACC championship game. Had to have. Florida State was playing with their third-string quarterback. They win that game. They go to a New Year's Six Bowl. They lose that game. They're at the Holiday Bowl now. They've got guys that are going to opt out of this game. I mean, they're not – I cannot imagine that they come in with every single guy available 
fired up and and ready to play this game. So I from from the way I'm looking at kind of how things ended the year and what's going on with the programs, maybe maybe USC is the more fired up team. Again, I mean, Louisville's probably going to have their starting quarterback, which is a good starting point, but but I don't think that Louisville comes into this one just absolutely ready to go and and firing on all cylinders. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of young offensive linemen playing for USC in this game. Well, so. he, he said in the in his presser on Monday that they're ready to go. The freshmen are ready to go. So take that any way that you want. If he says they're ready to go, I suspect that would mean they're ready to go for Louisville. All right, question three from SC Fan in South Florida. Love the show. Can't wait until Tuesday of each week to listen to your comments and insights. Well, thank you very much, SC Fan in South Florida. With the talk of Will Howard getting a visit from Lincoln Riley, if Riley brings Howard to USC, what are the ramifications regarding Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson? Will one or both hit the portal at the at the announcement? Good question. What do you think, guys? I don't know why it would have any significant repercussions on Malachi Nelson. He's going to be a redshirt freshman who didn't play his senior year and and probably needs time. If you bring in a guy that has one year of eligibility and you're a redshirt freshman, there's no reason for you to go anywhere. Miller Moss is a different story, right? I mean, if if he brings in Will Howard or someone like that, then Lincoln Riley is saying that he doesn't trust Miller Moss to run his offense to the level it needs to be run. I don't know that I'd be shocked to to hear that's the case, right? Miller Moss seems like he's probably a pretty decent football player. We don't see him in practice, but... Does anybody here think that Miller Moss is likely to compete for first team all pack, uh, all Big Ten or or uh, All American honors? No, it's Lincoln Riley. That's what Lincoln Riley puts on the field, and there are guys who are going to want to play for Lincoln Riley because they know that's what he puts on the field. So, do I think Miller Moss is going to be the starting quarterback next year? No. I'd be stunned if Miller Moss is a starting quarterback next year. I don't think he's that caliber of player, but I think he's a good player and he may very well stick around. He stuck around to this point, And so he may stick around still, but you know, it's not, it's not exactly a surprise if Lincoln Riley says, I like to have elite guys at that position and I can probably bring in somebody better than the people I have right now. Look, you bring in a one-year guy like a Will Howard, you're bringing him in because he's not coming to USC to compete for the spot. He's coming because he's hold, he's being given the spot. So if that's the case, you are replacing two more quarterbacks, most likely through the portal. Because let's remember, number one, Lincoln Riley did not recruit Miller Moss when he was at Oklahoma. Number two, he did recruit Malachi Nelson to be Caleb Williams' heir apparent. And if he's not ready going into his redshirt freshman season, I don't care what the reasons are. That's where he's not seeing the confidence. It's not with Miller. It's with Malachi. So, yeah, he is playing a little bit of a quarterback roulette here. Uh, it, at least that's the way I see it. If I, Malachi, I think if Malachi... Malachi Nelson, if Malachi Nelson is going to be that upset that he's not going to get the starting job as a really green redshirt freshman, Malachi needs somebody with some experience and some and some life wisdom to talk to him. Bill Moss is a different story. Bill Moss realizes he's never going to start at USC. But Malachi Nelson, if Malachi Nelson bells from playing for Lincoln Riley because, oh, I'm not starting as a freshman, that's just stupid. Well, look at Lincoln Riley's history. And this isn't a knock. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Lincoln Riley's most productive quarterbacks 
or transfers to him. It's, it's not a matter of recruiting and developing. And that's the gamble is, you know, is Lincoln Riley going to recruit a quarterback, stick with it, develop him, and continue to play him? Or is he just going to recruit a quarterback and say, all right, well, that dude over there who's been playing for a couple of years, he's ready. I'm going to go get him instead. That, I don't know if that's how you want to build the, uh, the culture in a locker room. There are, you've got to look at big picture here. Now, look, look around the country. That's exactly what everybody's doing. You go, bring, you go and bring in a quarterback and plug him in. And that you can I mean, Oregon, Oregon rallied around Bo Nix. Washington rallied around Michael Penix. Like, those are. That's how we're going to do it going forward. Let's not get all hot and bothered about, well, he's got Ju- Juju Lewis waiting, you know, in, in two years or whatever. Doesn't matter. No, you you put the most talented players on your roster however you can. If you can recruit them out of high school, you recruit them out of high school. If you have to recruit them out of the transfer portal, you recruit them out of the transfer portal. And that when Lincoln Riley says, I owe it to the guys, I owe it to the program, I owe it to the team to go out and always be on the look for the best player possible at every single position. That's it. That's that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. So I don't know. Freshman, right? I mean, he started back-to-back years at Oklahoma. He started freshman quarterbacks. Um, he'll play a freshman, but th- there's no reason to play a freshman if there's a guy who's far more experienced and ready to win right now. Lincoln Riley can't afford to go eight and four next year because he has because uh, he has a kid he wants to keep happy who will be ready two years from now. Doesn't make any sense. And I think with Malachi, it's d- a different story. If he doesn't have that shoulder issue and he's healthy all through spring ball and he threw more than three passes this season and he again didn't you know didn't suit up against ucla was is he practicing at all like what whatever that is there there could be a lot of time a lot of time he's missed just just for not being healthy all spring ball that's a ton of time and and you're a different quarterback if you're on the field healthy for your entire true freshman season as an early enrollee or what malachi has been able to do so far and i'll tell you i'll say this miller moss is not going anywhere until he gets his USC degree. Academics are very important to his family. I think, I think he's got like three of them so far. Does he? Well, well oh, yeah. He's a doctorate, I think. Yeah, he, I think he's on faculty at this point. Well, t- talk to me when he gets his postdoctorate then. But it, 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 he's not going anywhere until he has those degrees or we're knowledgeable of it. Uh, because I think what's really important is his mother taught at USC. I think education is a priority with him, at least in his case. So it makes for uh, interesting uh, projections here. Question four from HUD SD. When will we find out find out which existing defensive coaches will stay? And are there any existing offensive coaches that you think will be moving on? What do you think? Probably. Yep. On, on which side? Both sides or one well, side? Well, I think it'll probably, it'll, right, the defensive coaches moving on maybe right before the bowl game, certainly certainly right after, because they're going to have to – Dan Lynn is going to stay in a, in a recruiting-only capacity up until the bowl game. As soon as you go triple zeros in the fourth quarter in the bowl game, you push him up into an on-field role, and then you have to shift at that point. Um, obviously, just the one-for-one one change is, is probably Taylor Mays, who, who's up in the – at a safety coach right now. But – no, the the entire offensive staff coming back. This what happened last year at USC, where the entire coaching staff came back. That just doesn't it doesn't happen. I mean, there's going to be changes. There are going to be changes on both sides. I, I 
again, without getting into specifics and oh, we've heard this and that, you just that that's that's the way college football works. All right, question five from Barack from Australia. Hi, panel. I'm excited about Danton Lynn and what he might do with the USC roster and recruiting. Now the question remains what Lynn will do with the coaching. A lot of recruits were vocal with keeping Dante. That means Dante Williams, uh, cornerback's coach. Nua might be a great coach. Ideally, I want the defensive coach to bring his staff in, but I heard he coached with the UCLA staff last year. What are your takes? What should he do? Which coaches should stay? Uh, I think we've gone over most of this here, but does anyone want to add anything to this particular question? And thank you again, Barack, from Australia. Well, you don't listen to players who want to keep the interim coach, and you don't listen to recruits who want to keep their position coach. That being said, all of these guys have coached just fine at other places. You look look back at what happens to coaches at USC under the defensive coordinators recently, and like that seems to be the link in all of this stuff. But these guys are not at the spot they are right now because they can't coach. It's just, there's just a disconnect between the coordinator and what they're asking them to do and the, the mixing and matching and all of that stuff. But if they got rid of that entire defensive staff, I would not be shocked at all if they all went somewhere else and, and were, were really good at wherever they landed next. All right. Question six from Big Daddy. Originally in Inglewood. Love the show. Thanks for all your hard work. Well, thank you, Big Daddy for watching us. We appreciate it. Uh, would you be able to tell us how much of the current roster will be gently informed that their best chance of playing time might be at the other end of the portal and guided in that direction? I'm chomping at the bit to see what those recruits can do at the tight end position, among others. Comments? Greg, say thank you, Big Daddy, one more time. With some I was going to ask. I, I didn't hear the question. Can you repeat the whole thing? <laughs> Not the first time Greg said that. Uh, listen, I don't think it. I don't think you're going to have to have conversations between Lincoln Riley and players to let them know they don't have a future. Players usually know if they're in a position where they're not likely to play, they know. And there, and there's probably a lot of guys on this roster who know that already. I think you just have to use Darwin Barlow as probably the best example. He literally would have been. The senior, whatever, junior, redshirt junior, whatever his class eligibility is next year. He would have been the veteran leader. He was, he's gone. He's checking out. He's gotten the message. And I, I'm surprised he stuck around this long. I agree with that. He looked pretty good every time he got in the game, too. You know, yeah, why was that? Why did every time? Yeah, he... do you, you mean Darlin, Darwin, why doesn't he get more carries, Barlow? I mean, that, exactly. that's, yeah. You wonder why they're having trouble attracting the elite running back through recruiting right now. And it's not, I don't think it's any fault of Kyle McDonald. You just, you know, Eric puts out the numbers every week. Marshawn Lloyd, his high carry number in the game was 17. I remember when USC was called tailback you. Well, there's a credibility <laughs> issue there. You can't talk out of one side of your mouth, say we're going to run the ball and there's going to be so many carries and then you don't do it. After a while, the, the players are pretty smart. Their coaches are pretty smart. Their advisors are pretty smart. And they go, if you go there, just look at, don't listen to what they tell you. Look at the stats. Look at look at how it, it's coming out. And I think Barlow is, boy, if I'm recruiting against SC, I, I bring Barlow up immediately. And, uh, you know, I hate to say that, but, you know, you 
you have to admit what the perception is. All right, question seven from Trojans 2021 in Chicago. What defensive assistance of any would you like to uh, Lynn to retain? Uh, does anybody have a comment on that, or is this too sensitive? Do you think anyone cares about the the defensive assistance? I'm glad this is the first time it's being brought up. <laughs> I mean, it's cl- like it's clearly that's been it for two years. For two years, that's been the question: why Why isn't the defense working? Why isn't the defense working? It's absolutely understandable that there would be this much attention to it. And again. If at the end of the day they said clean slate, we got to go, you know, new everywhere. I don't think it's a, an absolute knock on the individual coaches, but just kind of what it's been. What it's been lately, you would not get a lot of pushback if you just said let's let's start over and and let's go fresh. When you get a new car, you want that new car smell for a couple of weeks, and I, I think that's what you need when you're bringing in the new staff. All right, we have a few more left. This is from R.C. Trojan uh, from Rancho Cucamonga. I think he's letting off some steam here. I've noticed the sports internet fans, no matter how well the team does, there's always that one guy uh, to piss in everyone's Cheerios. And well, we've we got, got three. I'm sorry? I said we've got three. It's a big bowl of Cheerios. It's got to be, yeah, supersized. And if the team does poorly, no need to elaborate on a particular team here. Polium shaving cream. It's a million times worse. Yes, it was a bad season. We all know. But do they really need to constantly spam every thread with multiple posts about how terrible everything is? Uh, it's bad enough for me. I just try to stay away from the boards for a bit or carefully filter my views. But how is it for you guys when your job or very involved hobby makes that impossible? Comment. I'm not, fashion. A, I'm not losing a second of sleep over people being upset and whining on the message board. Whatever. You're right. I mean, there were people during Pete Carroll's years that would go on a complaint, but there weren't nearly as many. The compl- the number of complainers goes up dramatically as the number of losses goes up. So whatever. If you don't like reading it, you don't have to read it. But I encourage all of you to spend most of your day on our message board. <laughs> you know it reminds me of Gary Baskowitz. I remember we were sitting in, in lounge chairs watching practice during the, the highlight of the Pete Carroll years. And he starts the, talking. The new him. people are not going to understand any of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary Baskowitz was the publisher and founder of WeRSC.com. But anyway, we're, we're sitting there. No, and- the sitting and watching practice in, in <laughs> lawn chairs. <laughs> well, you know, it beats standing for two and a half hours in, you know, in, in that time period. But that being said, I remember we were sitting, we're talking and Gary was saying, man, the people on the message board, there's just so negative. And he says, I don't understand how they could be negative during the Pete Carroll era. They've won like 30 games in a row, 32. What, how can you be negative with that? And I I just kind of laughed. I said, well, you know what? Everybody has their own perspective, but it is, it was quite unusual to win that many games in a row and people were still complaining about it. Well, no, actually, it, it was a specific complaint. We have to go to the Rose Bowl again. I mean, fans were complaining that USC had to settle for the Rose Bowl. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it was such a nuanced complaint. It was, but yeah, Eric Hitt said it earlier. It's passion. And you have this really cool feature. It's called your finger. You just keep scrolling right on by. 
Uh, all right, question two more, guys. There'll be quick ones. Question nine from Romy in Huntington Beach. Can Lynn do any on-field coaching without USC needing to make room for his presence? I think we know the answer to that, right? Eric, you yeah, he can he can observe, but he can't be an an on field assistant at this point. Okay, you got the answer to that. Thank you, Romy and Huntington Beach. Question ten from Daniel from Brazil. This will be our last question. What made USC fans laugh more? One, stealing UCLA's defensive coordinator, or two, Oregon losing on the Pac twelve in the Pac twelve conference championship. All right. Which one is it, guys? You forgot the part about they have to play Liberty in their bowl game. <laughs> That's a good one. Obviously, too. taking Danton Lynn was the was more funny. I'm Look, it's neither. More... It's neither. It's neither. I would trade with both. I would trade the program that has the defensive coordinator that wants to be stolen and the team playing in the Pac-12 Conference Championship. I don't... I don't... Both those sound both those sound better than where USC ended up this year. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I'm not yet to the point where I'm laughing at anything, but it, it it was nice to see Oregon lose. That's always nice. Can we change it to not laughing to or smirking? Will that be okay? Or... I think yeah, the laugh becomes becomes UCLA fans so confident that a Chip Kelly's gone, and hey, let's make this young good defensive coordinator our new head coach, and then you turn around and it's. I mean the exact opposite of of what kind of the expectation was, which that's a little funny. We just bought off their bodyguard and made them, you know, USC just said, "Hey, come over here." That's all they did. Gave him an extra million bucks a year, five hundred thousand to live. Come live on this side of the tracks. Again, a reminder: if you have a question or comment uh, for our panel, go to the WeRSC message boards and click on the thread that pertains. Inside the Trojan Subtle, viewer or listener questions. All right. Over time, this is going to be really quick. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Pac-12 teams. Uh, all we have to hear from you is uh, in overtime, do you agree or disagree with the opening odds for teams involved in the Pac-12? We'll go in this order. Chris, Mark, Eric, and myself. In the LA Live Bowl, agree or disagree, UCLA opened a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Boise State. What do you think, Chris? I think Boise State wins. Guys at Boise are always more pumped up to play a UCLA than UCLA is to play them. Mark? Yeah, Boise big. Eric? Yeah, I don't think we've heard about UCLA opt-outs yet. I'd imagine there, there will be a few. Yeah, agree. In the Independence Bowl, agree or disagree, Cal opened a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas Tech. Chris? I actually like Cal on that one. I think Cal is going to be pretty excited to be in a bowl game. I, I think the Bears win it. Mark? Couldn't care. Greg? Oh, uh, I think Cal's going to win it. I think it means more to them. Uh, in Las Vegas Bowl, agree or disagree, Utah opened a nine-and-a-half point favorite over Northwestern. Do those uh, odds sound about right, Chris? I mean, North, isn't Northwestern horrible? It should be should be a bigger spread than that. Utah win that game easy. Mark? Northwestern made a bowl game. I mean, I... I remember how they started the season with, you know, the big cloud that was hanging over their program. I remember USC playing Northwestern in the Rose Bowl. Northwestern might be everybody's favorite underdog right now. So I'm rooting. I think Northwestern pulls this one out. Eric? 
didn't you didn't Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson are in the transfer portal right now? I don't know if Utah what, has a has a quarterback for, for this game. Wow. So I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to play with eleven guys on offense. You bring a pig farmer to USC to play quarterback. <laughs> Not a lot of pig farms in downtown LA. Yeah. I think the uh, the point spread is about right. I think Northwestern thinks they played in the Big Ten and they've seen all the um, uh, physical. There's physical, and then there's Utah, okay, and the relentlessness of their physicality. All right, in the in the Alamo Bowl, agree or disagree? Arizona opened a one point favorite over Oklahoma. Ouch, Chris. Please, please let this happen. <laughs> Arizona beating OU in that bowl game. It may be the only bowl game I care about all year. I want the Sooner fans to suffer, and I think Arizona's a better team. Please let that happen. Mark? Uh, it's only one point now. I, Dylan Gabriel, did he jump into the transfer portal? If he uh, did, that line is going to change big time. Arizona's going to win that game. Eric? Yeah, I think Arizona. And I'll Oklahoma's go with- got a, a few guys in the portal or going in. I will go with Arizona. In the Sun Bowl, agree or disagree, Notre Dame opened a 10.5-point favorite over Oregon State. Chris? I don't think Notre Dame – well, before Oregon State lost their coach, I don't think Notre Dame was a was 10.5 points better than Oregon State. But losing your coach is going to uh, is going to be a problem. But here's what I think. I think this is going to be a replay of my favorite non-USC bowl game of all time when Oregon State just beat Notre Dame by, it felt like a 1,000 points and got a taunting penalty every third play, but it didn't matter because on first and 25, they threw a 28-yard pass. I loved that Fiesta Bowl game so much that I'm really hoping we can get a repeat. 2001 Fiesta Bowl, 41-9. So great. Mark? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get that kind of final, but um, I, I think Oregon State covers. Eric? The uh, the MVP in that game, by the way, quarterback Jonathan Smith. Oh, it's kind of fun. Uh, Oregon State has both their quarterbacks in the portal right now, too, right? Like I, the the bowl game stuff is just wild with with all of this. So I we we may see forty teams running wildcat only offenses in the bowl game. I think Notre Dame will take it to uh, Oregon State. I, I'm I even wonder why they even sell programs at the games anymore. For some of the lower tier games, you don't even know who's going to be on the roster. In the Fiesta Bowl, agree or disagree? Oregon opened a fifteen and a half point favorite over Liberty. Chris, I mean Oregon's. I don't think Liberty's anything. I'm sure Oregon will win that game easily, but could be fun if they don't show up. Mark, yeah, give me Liberty in the points. Uh, Eric. I- that was my first thought, but I I think Oregon's going to go play. I, I think they're going to beat them. Oregon will crush Liberty because Bo, it means something to Bo Nix and the, the rest of the team will feed off of it. Uh, in the Sugar Bowl uh, college football playoff national semifinal, agree or disagree, Texas opened up a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington. Chris? I think Texas is better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I think Washington will make it a game. I think the Longhorns win. Mark, at this point, I don't think you want to really bet against Washington. That good teams win close games, and they find ways to win games that are close. What, however, by whatever means necessary, they figure it out. I do love the you know the, the storyline though. You got 
Team Sark, man, that guy from Washington to Texas, both of these programs are now in the playoffs playing each other. Uh, this might be Washington's. They just might be that charm team this year. Eric? I'm, I'm with both of you guys. I think Texas is the better team, and I wouldn't bet against Washington. In, in the upside-down world, Lincoln Riley is talking about how Washington is three plays away from three losses this year. And guess what? They make those plays. I mean, if you're, if you're a team in a program that can make those plays, that's a skill. I mean, that that is really kind of in your DNA. Uh, if you can do that, Washington's been that this year. Uh, I like the points on this one. Uh, I think that uh, Texas seems to have it all together and Washington hangs in there. But I like that defensive line of Texas and the ability to maybe get to uh, to, to uh, Penix. All right, Cardinal and Gold special in the Holiday Bowl. Agree or disagree? Louisville opened a six-and-a-half-point favorite over USC. Chris? It's going to be a tough one for USC to win, uh, unless Louisville just doesn't care and they have a bunch of guys opt out. But USC, with a struggling offensive line and without Caleb Williams and with that defense, it's going to be a tough one to win. Mark? Yeah, I, I don't know who's playing for USC. So right now, um, I don't know who's playing for USC. Eric? Same kind of stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Louisville. I think SC shows up, but I think there's probably a lot of inexperience on the field uh, in this one. And again, we we don't cover Louisville. They might have six guys that are that are playing in this game. They might have a ton of guys opting out too. Uh, but just kind of looking at it on paper, it's it's not a great matchup for USC. And I agree. And let's not forget that Louisville has established a little bit of a recruiting presence in Southern California. So they'll be looking to score some brownie points, if you will, uh, when they play SC. Uh, I think that Louisville probably will make it a very difficult night for USC in a number of ways. So, again, if you've enjoyed Inside the Trojan Huddle, please click on the like and red subscriber buttons. We greatly appreciate your support and be sure to check out WeRSC.com, become a premium member. That'll do it for Tuesday's edition of Inside the Trojan Huddle. A reminder to watch Four Downs on Fridays for the latest USC and college football uh, news presented by Prize Fix. So until next Tuesday, big thank you to our panelists. They're all great. Mark Culkin, Eric McKinney, Chris Arledge, and a special thank you to you, the listener, for all of you watching or listening to Inside the Trojan Huddle. Have a great week, great weekend. So until next Tuesday, this is your moderator, Greg Katz reminding you all to beat the Cardinals. Fight on, everybody.